You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, I watch it on my couch and with my family while the smoke is coming off of that barbecue and we're enjoying Pepsi as a beverage. And Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out all the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Welcome into a Wednesday edition of Locked On NFL. He is Tony Wiggins. I'm James Erpine. We have a ton to get to on today's show, including the X is back and the NFL trade deadline just mm-hmm. six days away, plus the best division in each conference and so much more coming your way on Locked On NFL. But thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Me, I'm like you, watching at home from my couch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment. You need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football, watching. It's also made for podcasters because that's what I just did. I just guzzled down a Pepsi so I get my <laughs> voice right so I can talk to my man, Jamie. What's up, baby? What's up, man? We're here, the trade deadline, as we record a week away. Uh, I'm excited, man. I love trades. I think it's the NBA fan in me. And the NFL over the past decade or so has had a lot of movement before the deadline. So I love it. I'm, I'm excited to talk with you. Tony. I do too. You know what? It, it, sometimes it doesn't happen as often as we like it to. I got a feeling that's going to be different this year because every, well, first of all, everything's weird and everything's different this year, but <laughs> this year, you know, we're seeing teams look like they're ready to start trimming the fat. You know what I mean? You, you're starting to hear winds of, of change and, and guys, teams are noticing, the teams know they're not going to, they're not going to make no noise. So they're, they're, they're starting to, with the salary cap looking like it's probably going to go down a little bit. I think teams are going to start trimming the fat and, where else are we going to start but New York like we always do with the Jets? So what are you, what are you hearing about Quinn and Williams? Conflicting reports right now. I mean, you got Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News saying that the Jets have certainly made Quinn and Williams available and not necessarily for a first-round pick, but they would want multiple you know, seconds or thirds or fourths, which if I'm a team, that's certainly something that's going to at least raise your eyebrows and, and touch your fancy a little bit. And there's another report out, Rich Samini and others have kind of rebuffed that. But I think the wording here is, is important because Meta's report says the Jets are trying to trade Quinn and Williams. Yeah. And then if you flip it, Samini's report is the Jets are not shopping Quinn and Williams. So here's what I'll say, Tony, and you've been around a long time. Let me run by my theory or run my theory by you. Joe Douglas is open to trading Quinn and Williams. Right. And that's why we're hearing all of this. And if he gets the right offer, he's going to be willing to move the, the 2019 third overall pick 
even though he is a good player. And even though, uh, you, you know, he, he's been productive over the past 20 games, he's appeared in 20 games for the Jets. But despite all that, I think that he's certainly on the market, whether or not the Jets are actively pursuing a trade, I think is debatable, but he's, he's one of many guys we could see moved at the deadline. Red flag for me. And I'll tell you why. And I was just, I was reading some of the guys that we follow, you know, that are on our network. Some aren't. Uh, when I got an interview, John Ledger, who I respect and I interviewed John, he said Joe Douglas should be fired if he, if he gets a, a third day pick for him. Mm-hmm. I don't understand if you're the Jets, why you would move a guy that's like 23 years old, who's in the second year of a, a contract where you're going to, if you, if you work the fifth year option, you're going to have him for three more years. Isn't the goal to kind of like have good young football players at some point? I mean, because you're going to, what you're going to do is you're going to move him for another pick. And if you're moving for a pick, you hope to get a good player, which is what he is. And, and, and he's still under a rookie deal. That means he's not making a bunch of money. So for me, the red flag would be, is he not good? So you have to bang the tape. And if you bet, so if they're going to move on from, from Gase after this year, the head coach, and Greg Williams, why would you do this? Why would you do this now and remove that asset from potentially who the new coach could be? I, I just don't really get what, and I got respect for Joe Douglas, and I think a lot of people do, but to me, there has to be something else going on here, and maybe it's the market. Everybody ain't meant to play in New York, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, that's you know? the thing, is is I think this, the, the, the argument, and it, we're on the outside looking in, a right. lot of us outside looking in well maybe he knows something we don't yeah because i i see a guy who has three sacks this year 28 tackles this year uh, a guy who could be a force and develop into a force on the interior of a defensive line and really an entire league outside of a few teams that should be interested and it, it is it, it's a really it, it's a strategy and you wonder it, and it could be as simple as douglas doesn't want to move him but man if the price is right and he can get the the right number of picks because you know what if a team says we'll give you a two and a four in 2021 and a three in 2022 this is the third overall pick mm-hmm. think about what he would have cost in the draft and it's not like he's underperformed well so yeah you we, could get multiple yeah. picks for him yeah and we did talk about it on our, on our show last week there's a shortage remember we asked so like this there's a shortage in the draft of defensive tackles so maybe what he's doing now is trying to make this asset worth a lot of money because I even told the people in Jacksonville on a podcast this week because Jacksonville doesn't have any interior players. And the problem with the problem is, is they're in a whole, but you know, the best, you know, you know, right now the top interior player is, is, is Leonard Williams in free agency. And it's going to be maybe a guy like Hassan Ridgeway, who's like a journeyman who got hurt. There aren't a whole bunch of guys floating around there in free agency if you look on the lists of guys that are available for free agency next year. Like those 25, 26, 27-year-olds that you expect to hit as an unrestricted free agent. And then when you look in the draft, like we were talking about Quentin Williams, how he was picked so early. Well, there are no guys like that expected to be in the top 15 this year. So if you need one, you're going to have to, you know, reach for somebody in the second or third round because there are none now. So maybe Joe Douglas is dangling him out there to see mm-hmm. what he can get. But it's interesting. There's, there's some other interesting moves that, that are going on and, and trades that we would like to have. That's one that we're hearing about, things that we would like to happen. Speaking of, um, of interior people, 
Houston looks like they're ready to have a fire sale in the AFC South because their season is off the rails. J.J. Watt, as much as we like to attach uh, legends and Hall of Famers to the cities, those days are gone with guys playing 14, 15 years Mm -hmm. in their homes. I said that Green Bay doesn't have any hind parts. I would love to see Green Bay make a move to get a guy like J.J. Watt to try to solidify the interior of their defense for them to make a run down the stretch because right now they're too soft in the middle. I agree with you. And soft is a good way to put it because what happened to them when Tampa Bay punched them back, right? And and that's, that's the reality is that Tampa Bay loss. I get it. They only have one loss. Packers fans, relax. I'm not being mean to you. But yeah, you are. you're going to get punched in the playoffs. That's what's going to happen. We saw it last year with San Francisco, and I get it. It's a bad matchup. But if you're the Packers, I think you need to make multiple moves. Right. I would be on the, the, the phone trying to get a receiver, absolutely trying to bolster the, the trenches a bit. And if you can get a guy like J.J. Watt, who has right now a 77.2 overall grade from PFF, uh, an 82 overall grade against the run, well, hell yeah, that's what you want. You absolutely want to take away the run, try to make teams throw it on you. And on the other side, you have Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and those guys. So I think the Packers are one of the many teams that should be interested in a variety of players. And I think that there are a lot of guys that could be available, a lot of veterans like this. I mean, think about it. J.J. Watt, a guy drafted in 2011. I'll throw out some more. One I cover, A.J. Green, that's a guy – that I certainly, if I'm a contender, if I'm the Saints, if I'm the Packers, if I'm the Eagles, and I know the Eagles are in a bad or are have a bad record, but they're in a bad division and they have right. a shot to be a real playoff contender. Why not go get him? Why not inquire about him? And uh, the other thing you mentioned, the Packers, they have three fourth round picks, so they have some draft ammo and some draft capital now to build around Rodgers and add a couple pieces here at the deadline. They absolutely do. And then for nostalgia's sake, he played at Wisconsin. And then the other thing is, uh, you mentioned the teams you cover and we talk about Hall of Famers, guys is going to be first ballot. What about at this stage of his career, a guy like Geno Atkins to go and let him chase the championship? Do you think at this point, uh, are there rumblings in Cincinnati to allow Geno to maybe look around the league a little bit and, and, and at this stage of his career, go and help someone win a title and maybe get some hardware of his own because he's paid his dues? No doubt, he, no doubt about it, Tony. And, and I think the key with Atkins is his health. He injured his shoulder right before the season started in the Bengals' final scrimmage, missed the first four games of the year. Now he's playing limited snaps. That could be a variety of things. And maybe it is that to preserve him so he is healthy for whenever you do you know, decide to trade him, and maybe that is over the next week. But from what I've heard, that is not the case, and that usually isn't the Bengals' way. But that's absolutely another guy that can help a team. I think Carlos Dunlap, who's clearly disgruntled if anyone's following uh, it could be on the move. I think Seattle is a team that could look to add him. And uh, yeah, absolutely. There, there are just, there are a lot of veterans like that that could be on the move. Heck look at the, the New York giants. If you need a guard, I think Kevin Zeitler could potentially be available. Mm-hmm. If you're the giants, why not move a golden Tate? Why not take calls on him, right? A guy who could certainly help a playoff team, but you're not going anywhere. Why would you keep him on the roster? You already have a slot receiver, in Sterling uh, Shepard that you really like, who's young and under contract. So I expect at least a a lot of rumblings, and I'm hoping a lot of fireworks on November 3rd, Tony. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the NFL draft or the NFL trade deadline. Yeah, I'm about sick of politics right now, I promise you. 
If I see <laughs> if I if I see one more guy with his fist balled up with his little thumb peeking up, I'm gonna go crazy, man. I'm telling you, I'm telling. Des Bryant, Des Bryant has landed in Baltimore. Uh, Des is a fun guy on Twitter. Des is also good for the league. It, it's good to see. And you know what? That's a perfect team for him. With him, Yannick and Gakwe now going to Baltimore. I tell you what, we're gonna talk divisions. Uh, in our next segment, toughest divisions. I'm going to already tell you where I'm going in the AFC. Uh, I already know where I'm going in the NFC, by the way. But Des Bryant landing in Baltimore, I tell you what, if they don't win football games, they'll probably be the, the nominee I'll give you for winning a street fight with the dudes that they have on their team. Baltimore is going to be a tough team. And Des Bryant, that's a good spot for him, isn't it? Absolutely it is. He, he could come along slowly. They're not banking on him now. And he gets a shot to contribute to a winner. I, I love the landing spot. They flirted. Back in August, he worked out with him. And I really hope he, he is able to contribute for that team because I, I think Des deserves it. He got that raw deal. You, you tear your Achilles with the Saints. Uh, you know, and I think it was day three of practice. I hope he gets the, the, the shot and the opportunity to go out the right way. No doubt about it. All right, we got segment two coming up. We're going to talk divisions, the toughest divisions in both the AFC as well as the NFC. And we're probably going to look at two worst divisions you guys can probably guess where we're going with that it's locked on nfl with tony wiggins and my man my man rapine that's right it's rapine it is not rapian like i always say and he's locked on Bengals. and we're going to do that in just a second here on the wednesday edition of locked on nfl and, and don't forget in the third segment we got kyle Krabs, man from locked on nfl draft he's going to join us we're going to talk about draft prospects we'll talk about some rookies that surprised also and then some guys that have surprised us uh in the early stages of college football that really helped themselves that you guys can look forward to in april or may or whenever they have the nfl draft that's going to be able to help your club so buckle those seat belts we got some more action for you and we'll do it in just a second here on locked on nfl I got to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com that's where you can get all of your car parts from the front to the back, car parts and accessories at rockauto.com. That's where me and my family go, and that's where you and your family should go too because you're going to save a bunch of money. You're going to save a bunch of scratch, skrilla, cheese, cheddar, all of that stuff, everything you want to call money. It's at rockauto.com. And guess what? The parts are the absolute best. And guess what? It's for every single car and type you can think of it's at rockauto.com. When you go on rockauto.com, it's a family-owned business that's been in business for two decades and, is man, is absolutely fabulous. There's a little box on there. They're going to ask you, how did you hear about us? You need to put Locked On NFL in that box, man, just to make sure that you tell them that we sent you. It's rockauto.com and get to saving yourself some money. Okay, man, Locked On NFL, we've returned here, and we're talking good and the bad and the ugly. First, the good in the divisions. James Rapine along with Tony Wiggins here. Uh, we're the good, by the way. Um, James, no doubt in my mind, I'll go ahead and start it off in, in the AFC North, the division that you're familiar with. I'm not going to mention your team because you guys are not a part of this conversation. But uh, that AFC North, man, with Pittsburgh, even though they lost, uh, no, actually they won. Even they won. They're undefeated. Won, yeah, they won, and it didn't look good down the stretch, but they still pulled it out. With Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Cleveland, yeah, and I said Cleveland, it, that division looks really, really good. And I will mention the Bengals with this. 
that's not an easy game for anybody. And I don't care what their record is. With Smoking Joe doing what he does at quarterback, that's not an easy game, and they do play hard, and they will put up numbers on you. That's a very, very tough division, and it's not as black and blue as it used to be because all of those quarterbacks can really throw the ball and make a lot of offense happen. It's arguably the best division in football, and I know a lot of people are going to say the NFC West, but the AFC North is really, really damn good. I mean, you have three teams with five or more wins, and you're right. I mean, the Bengals have had – I believe it's four losses or three losses in a tie decided by eight points or less. And it might be more than that. They've played teams tough. You could argue that they should have beat the Browns earlier this week. Uh, obviously they they've, they've kept it close in other games this season. And that's the by far the worst team in the division. So the Browns, even without OBJ, I think they could certainly threaten for a playoff spot. The Ravens, who I think are the best team in the division, most talented roster, arguably in the NFL, they're second. And the Steelers, who are rolling right now, I mean, that team is rolling, and I can't wait to see them play the Ravens later in the year. But, uh, yeah, the, the North, you're right. It isn't as black and blue. It isn't as uh, run-oriented, but it's still physical, man. I mean, especially at the top. The Ravens and the Steelers, those defenses, bring it. They're going to hit you early and often, and uh, that's why they're the class of the division. They are the class of the division. Let's stick there before we move over to the worst. Uh, or the best in the in the other side. Let's go with the worst division in the uh, AFC. I'm not going to necessarily say the East because it's it's the Patriots not being very good um, almost makes it that way, and then the Bills kind of sliding back a little bit. That East because New England they started out so good they fell back a little bit. Uh, you know, even even though they had that loss on the road to Seattle. Once they now that they've lost to Denver and now that they've lost so poorly to San Francisco and then Buffalo struggled against the Jets and Buffalo lost on the road to Kansas. City. Now it's start well, they lost at home to Kansas. City. Now people are starting to go, okay, the Jets are awful. So it's really just Miami, maybe at three and three. I'd say the AFC East is probably the worst division uh in the AFC. You would say that. Yeah. Tony, I think you're showing your Jags bias right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think because I saw the Colts a couple of weeks ago and they aren't good, right? I know they're four and two, but I, know, I don't think they scare anybody. Yeah, yeah. Tech, the Houston Texans, I they're, feel sorry for Deshaun Watson. Right yeah, they're now. awful. They're awful. The Jacksonville Jaguars, you know all about them and so does everybody else. And outside of the Titans who honestly, their defense has kind of surprised me with their inability to get stops this year. I think it's clearly the South. I get it and I'll listen to the argument, but I still think the Patriots are, Six and ten to, to ten and six, like that's still their range. The Dolphins, it wouldn't shock me if they make a a push for the playoffs with. Tua. I just think the Titans can beat anybody yeah, on any given day. They could lose now to any. Sure. I just think they're. I think with the way that they play, they against any elite team, they're right there in the fourth quarter. I agree with that. I, I do, and, and so when I look at them versus the the East, yeah, maybe the Titans are the best team out of the the NF, or the AFC East and right, South. Right. But outside of that, I think teams like two through five are probably in the East. So I think it is close. I don't think either division is is necessarily good or great. Right. But uh, I, I still say the South right now. But, but who knows? Maybe the Texans go on a run. I'm not going to put it past Deshaun Watson. Maybe Philip Rivers continues to look like he did against Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago, and the Colts uh, take off. So. I wouldn't be shocked if that's the case, but I think it is clear that those are the two worst divisions in the AFC. 
No doubt about it. Let's switch over real quick. The NFC, we'll get right to it. In the dungeon in the NFC, maybe the worst division I've ever seen in any <laughs> year, in any year, is the NFC. The NFC East might be the worst of anything I've ever seen in anything, okay? I ain't just talking about sports. They might be, they might be, think about the worst singing group you've ever seen. The, the NFC East is worse than them, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, the worst car you've ever seen. I'm talking about station wagon with wood paneling on the side. The NFC East is worse than that with no lug nuts on it. I'm telling you, man, I'm, James, I'm serious. They are ba- They are beans, scorched beans, burnt beans, burnt onions. They are worse than that. That's how bad the NFC East is right now. They're 7, 20, and 1. That's their record. And they pro- all those seven wins probably came against each other. I, some of them for sure. And, and I, I agree with you. I mean, they're just, they're bad. It's all bad. And that's why the Eagles, I think are, I, I've said it for, for weeks now, I think they're going to win the division, but if you're Washington, you feel like you're still in it. If you're Dallas, everything that's gone on. And we talked about it last week, the Earl Thomas thing. If you're Dallas, you still got to feel like you have a shot to win the division. And, and you know how crazy it is right now with everything, everything going on there. It's just how bad the division is. The NFC West has all four teams are above 500. Any four of those teams would easily win the NFC East. No doubt. I, I mean, you look at the North. I mean, there's three teams that are 500 or better. I think any of those teams in Detroit, uh, Detroit, Chicago, Green Bay, they would absolutely win that division. Heck, the Panthers, the Saints, the Bucks. I mean, there are at least three teams in, in every NFC every division in the NFC besides the East that would win the East. And that's, uh, that's pretty damn telling with how, how bad things are. But as we talk about the deadline, all three of these teams are probably players, the Cowboys, Washington, and Philadelphia. I think all three could try to add to their team, not sell in hopes of winning that division. Yeah. And, and, and they all, you know, you're right. They all could probably do that. I think the one team that would be kind of crazy to do it would be Washington because Washington will be – they're still in a position to probably go after one of those top quarterbacks next year. Dallas has Wentz. The Giants have Jones. I mean, Dallas has uh, Dak coming back. The Giants mm-hmm. have Jones, and the Eagles have Wentz. So they, they're already committed to their people. I would go ahead and try to get somebody to help me. But with Washington, they need to be focused on next year and getting a quarterback, and that's what they need to be doing. Now, now – Best team, you said it earlier, NFC West. I think all four of those teams, it's sad. I, I guess they got an extra team in the playoffs this year. All four of those teams, if possible, could probably find themselves eligible because all four of those teams are really, really good. They are, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if they – because think about the coaches, right? I mean, the worst coach in that division is Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> That's right. the worst coach, and he's clearly – he fits well – with Kyler Murray and right. he's getting the most out of him. And obviously the DeAndre Hopkins deal looks great, but you're talking about four coaches, four quarterbacks established at worst, good quarterbacks in, in the good quarterbacks in, in Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo. Guess what they have great offensive minds leading the show. Yep. And then you have great quarterbacks in Russell Wilson. And I'm going to put Kyler Murray in that category. I think he's great too. I mean, he's, he's such a baller. Th- those two guys are able to carry their offenses and their teams as well. So that division, it is stacked, and it is a lot of fun to watch. It is a lot of fun to watch. You know what else is fun? Doing this show every Wednesday, man. I'm telling you. 
It is awful fun. It's going to be even more fun because we've got Kyle Krabs coming up from Draft Dudes, Locked On, Dolphins. Uh, he's going to break down some draft stuff. We're going to talk about Herbert. We're going to talk about uh, kid Justin Fields up at Ohio State. We're going to talk. Ask him our opinion on what we talked about earlier, too. Ask him his opinion on Quentin Williams and what his value is, and we'll do that in just a second as we continue uh, the Wednesday edition of Locked On NFL here on a Wednesday with James Rapine and Tony Wiggins. Man, let me tell you about the best tasting protein bar on the market. It is Built Bar. That's right, Built Bar. They have 18 fabulous flavors. Now, let me tell you about some of these flavors, man. And you think normal flavors are like regular chocolate and all of that stuff? No. How about caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp? That's right. And they're packed with protein. More protein to help you stay in shape. More protein, it doesn't pack a lot of weight around your tummy. Therefore, you can eat them without a bunch of guilt and stay in shape. All you need to do is go to BuiltBar.com, order your Built Bars, and put in the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's right, $10 off your first order by saying Locked On. And if you don't believe me, you just order them, and you bring them around me, and watch how fast I dig into that box and eat your Built Bars. It's Built Bars at BuiltBars.com. Promo code Locked On. Let's keep things rolling here on Locked On NFL by talking draft as we do every single week on the Wednesday edition of Locked On NFL. Welcome in Kyle Krabs. You can check him out at Locked On Dolphins or on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Obviously, uh, the Locked On NFL draft uh, podcast as well in the draft network. Kyle, I appreciate the time. How you doing? I'm doing great. Well, it's anytime I get an excuse to talk draft in, in October or November here, here in a couple of days, it's it's getting to be that Christmas time, three, four-month window for us draft Knicks. So excited to talk a little ball here. Yeah, no doubt about it. I know uh, Tony and I both cover teams that uh, have fans already looking to the draft Welcome. in Jacksonville yes. and Cincinnati. So yeah, they did it two no weeks doubt, ago here, man. Two yeah, weeks. there's no doubt we'll be following you. Um, let, let's start here uh, because it's something we led off the show with. There are rumblings about Quinn and Williams. And I just – take me back to the draft because, to me, I see a guy who's arguably – the most talented prospect in that draft. And when you take out quarterbacks up there, would it make sense for the Jets to move him for anything that isn't a first round pick? No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think you have kind of this identity crisis in New York right now with, with ownership down where it's been really scattershot and irregular with the decision-making process. And, you know, Quinn and Williams was a draft pick. And then, and then just a few months later, they actually bring Joe Douglas into the picture to be the GM of the Jets. And so there's always going to be that dynamic of, well, he wasn't my pick, but no, as you said, his Quinn and Williams's breakout season at Alabama was just a a terrific display of interior defensive line play and his first step quickness and all the physical tools are still there. And it's not, not the first time that we've seen an interior defensive lineman come into the league and it's taken him a little bit of time to get his feet wet and he's starting to show some flashes of life there on the inside. So, uh, no, I, I, I would absolutely not advocate the decision to cut ties with Quinn and Williams at this point in time, because you're only now just starting to see what his potential is as a pro pro. pro Yeah. And I'm, I got confused a little bit with the way Greg Williams was using him. I, I thought that he would, uh, but I got confused with the way that, that they used the other Williams kid too. You know what I'm saying? I, I just don't know. I thought when he came in, I said, okay, he could be three technique or he could be a big end in, in the league. 
and I don't really know what they're doing with him. Are they using, is he two gapping? Is he reading, reacting? Is he penetrating? What are they doing with him? And why is he not as explosive as he seemed to be when he was at Alabama? Well, I think he really thrived at Alabama off just his first step quickness and really being able to claim wins right off the snap. And you get to the pro level and there is a little bit of that acclimation period where you got to get more in tune to the weight distribution of offensive linemen and their stances to be able to understand, okay, they're going to slide protect. So this guy's going to be stepping down to all me or something like that. So I think it's a little bit of blend of New York really doesn't have a lot of threats as pass rushers in general, you know, and then they haven't had a good edge rusher since Calvin Pace, it feels like back in like 2010. So you have to be able to have complementary players around you up front too. And as a guy who wins with quickness, it's very difficult to get those one-on-one looks or get isolated on an island on the inside when there's nobody outside that, that's going to command attention uh, and, and force team, prevent teams from sending more than one person his way. So I think there's a lot of variables at play here, and it's just not been a good situation for Quinnen to this point for a guy who only did have one year playing at a very high level. Kyle Krabs joining us here on the Locked On NFL Podcast. Make sure you check him out at Grinding the Tape on Twitter. Kyle, the Big Ten returned last week. Uh, how, how exciting was that for you to, to be able to look at a whole other uh, round of prospects almost for the first time in, in 2020? And how hard do you think it is going to be with the limited action this year for NFL teams to evaluate some of these guys versus you know, how they've been able to in the past? Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really tough. Uh, we do, at, at the very least, we've gotten rid of kind of the cupcake games on the schedule, right? Everybody's playing conference games only. So you should get... Uh, you'll get less games of a sample size, but you'll at least you'll, you won't have Alabama playing Alabama state as an example It's like there, there's a little bit more correlation in the competition. Uh, so you'll at least salvage some of the games and reps in that capacity, but having the big 10 back is really nice for me at, at TDN this summer. Uh, we split our staff up and, and took regions and uh, I was the big 10 guy. So I've been sitting here waiting for all these guys that I studied super in depth all summer long to actually start playing some football. So it was really great to see him back and, and uh, some pretty prominent uh, play from some of these top prospects between Ohio state and Michigan and uh, some surprises along the way as well. So it was, it was great to see these guys back in action. Well, one guy that Jacksonville is, is looking at and they're hoping uh, they, I told them to, to forget about Lawrence uh, because the jets won't lose. Uh, even if the Jaguars go one and 15, the Jets aren't, I mean, the Jets aren't going to win rather. So, you know, don't worry about that. People around here are split on fields. Uh, people keep saying he's watching his receivers. One guy said he's staring at his receivers from last year. He's still looking at them and all of this stuff. I think people are going to make the mistake with him that they made with Herbert. And what it is, is with, and I, and I, I mentioned this earlier and I want you to comment on it. Everyone was talking about Herbert and accuracy, and they watched the Auburn game from early last year, and now everybody's eating a little bit of crow because that kid right now has a gun, and he is making throws that there are probably only 10 guys in the NFL that could make, and he doesn't look like the league is too big for him, and you got some people that are saying they're, they're deleting tweets right now because of what they said about him last year. Is, was that paralysis by analysis, or was it just making a little bit too much out of accuracy issues as opposed to just looking at the arm talent. Herbert was such an interesting study because he declared late to Oregon. You know, he really, he, he wasn't even sure if he was going to get big time offers and he got Oregon really late in the process. So he commits to Oregon. 
Uh, he never works with a private QB coach. So the only advanced coaching that he got beyond high school, he didn't go to any of these quarterback camps, you know, the elite 11 or anything like that was just at the university of Oregon. And you think about, you know, he was a Eugene born and raised kid. You know, he had to work a little bit to get out of his shell as a leader for a team. So people kind of start looking at the writing on the wall and, and he hadn't worked outside of that little bubble that he was in. And that, that introduced a lot of questions. And then you saw him go down to the senior bowl and he knocked it out of the park. And I know for a fact that there were some NFL personnel who had questions about Herbert coming into that week about not anything on the field, decision-making accuracy, any of that, just can he lead a locker room? And they left Mobile and they had a different answer than what they had going in because of the way he handled himself throughout that process. So he was a, a three and a half year starter who was a late bloomer, which is really weird. But you listen to him talk when he was at the podium at the combine and he's talking about you know, how, how he settled into his own leadership style and his coaches gave him books. Uh, but then you take that and you add in some of the restrictions of the Oregon offense and that Auburn game that you mentioned, I think they were missing four of their top six receivers in that game. Uh, so there was nobody open in that game. You go back, watch the tape. So uh, I think there were a lot of layers there for Justin Herbert that, that have led to getting into an offense that does like to push the ball down the field more, be a little bit more aggressive vertically versus Oregon was so East West and quick throws, getting the ball out with screens and stuff like that. Better scheme fit, better opportunities. Another year more comfortable in his own skin as a leader of a team. And, and we're seeing the dividends there as far as Justin Fields and uh, his arm talent is unbelievable. You know, you see him, he'll, he'll drop the arm angle. He'll throw around guys, natural accuracy. You could tell he's got a baseball background with, how he's comfortable throwing on the move and how much torque and velocity gets on the ball. I think there's so much to like there. And, and that Ohio state offense is kind of the same thing where he doesn't have to go through progressions because the first read's always open, you know? So like, why would you mow off the first read if the first read's going to be there? And you know, he is. So I wouldn't read too far into it for Justin Fields. That's Kyle Krabs. Make sure you check him out on the locked on dolphins, locked on NFL draft podcast. Also follow him at grinding the tape on Twitter. Kyle, Great we stuff. appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate right. you, man. Take care, guys. Thank See ya. And uh, that'll do it for a Wednesday edition. Uh, great stuff from Kyle Krabs. Good stuff talking to you about these divisions, James, and, and some of these trades. The next time we get together, uh, James, it'll happen. We'll, we'll be right in the middle of a whole bunch of other stuff going on in the country. But we're going to be giving people a break away from that stuff because we're going to be talking about trades that we know that have happened. Already some, some things have happened with Yannick Ngakwe in Baltimore, as you know. And I'm, I'm sure, just like you thought and think, a lot of things are going to be going on before the deadline. Yep, I can't wait. I hope that we get the fireworks, like I said. I hope we get multiple deals, multiple trades, and we will be back next week to recap every single move that's made in the NFL between now and the trade deadline. No doubt about it. It's Locked On NFL Wednesday. Tony Wiggins, James Rapine. Until next time, we'll holler. Keep taking care of each other, man, and we'll do the same.